Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, this is Greg Rice from the Art of Communication podcast. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should really be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with Greg Rice. Greg is the founder and host of the Art of Communication podcast, where he helps entrepreneurs and leaders transform their businesses and lives by enhancing their fundamental communication skills. He's also the founder and CEO of the Authentic Connection Academy, where he helps business leaders massively increase their influence by being genuine to who they truly are. Greg has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs, helping them to become better leaders, increase sales, and raise funding. He's helped his clients raise over $20 million in early stage funding, and he also has a history of blowing away sales goals, managing multi-million dollar relationships with Fortune 500 executives across a variety of industries. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation uh, with Greg, but first, really quickly, if you are a podcaster or you'd like to be a guest on podcasts, then head over to guestio.com to check out the software that my team and I put together recently. It's basically like a giant marketplace full of a bunch of hosts and guests kind of getting to know each other, connecting and booking interviews. So um, if you want to book more interviews, whether you're a host or a guest, head over to guestio.com. That's guestio.com right now to go ahead and get started today. Greg, what is going on, brother? Good to have you on the show. 
What's up, Travis? It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. So uh, before we jump in, you know the show, you know the drill. Let's build some context for those listening. Take it way back. Let's talk 12, 13-year-old Greg Rice. What were you up to at the time? You know, talk, talk to me about what your parents did for a living and then, and the, you know, how, how school was for you, different things like that. No doubt. It's actually a perfect place to start because I think it drives my passion around communication today. So raised as an only child, right? No brothers, no sisters, nobody like that. My parents just inherently aren't great communicators, right? And I grew up in what you what you would call, I guess, an underprivileged neighborhood, right? So uh, there's a lot of um, bad influences around, a lot of, uh, I guess, bullying, stealing, taking advantage of that kind of thing. So early on, I had a lot of trouble kind of communicating at home and fitting in outside of the home, um, which created a lot of insecurity and anxiety for me, a lot of challenges. And as I got a little bit older, that kind of took me off the tracks a little, got in a lot of trouble, even dropped out of school for a while, you know, went way off the tracks, eventually came back around new school district, new teachers that, that showed an interest, graduated 10th of my class, went to college, did well, right? Graduated college, went into sales. Now, what they don't tell you is that your anxieties don't go away. When you get older, they just get worse, right? So I went into sales and I still had all this insecurity about connecting with other people and communicating in a way that builds relationships that build business, right? And I was just, I was terrible at sales to start, right? I went into financial sales and I had a lot of trouble connecting with people and, and understanding how to sell to people. Financial and, and like selling financial products? Yeah, I was in banking, right? So I was selling commercial loans and deposits and on the commercial side. Okay, got it. So just doing terrible, probably about to get fired. After a long day, I remember I had an appointment with like a super important guy. He was referred to me from like one of the presidents of the bank. This guy was like an ex-C-level level executive at a Fortune 500 firm who just left to start his own business. Really important guy. I walked in, I was frustrated. He, I was like a half hour late. Like he was a half hour late coming to the meeting. He comes in, he's like, so how's it going, Greg? And I was like, you know what? I'm pretty nervous about this meeting. And I was just real honest, like the first time ever. And, and it's like, you can't do that, right? You can't act like you're not on top of the world. You don't know everything. But what happened was he laughed. He was like, you know what? I've been a C-level executive for years and I still get nervous about meetings, but never more nervous than I'm talking to my teenager at home. And I was like, oh yeah, I got kids. Like I got young kids and we got to talk about our families and that kind of stuff. We spent two hours bullshitting, right? But we won that business and I developed a real relationship there. And that's when I really started getting excited about connecting and communication. And the way to do it is, is be more yourself, right? So it's a little bit of quick background and kind of how I got put onto this whole communication path. Yeah. And, and, and that find that super, super interesting that that's the path that you ended up going down. So, uh, so if you weren't already good at sales, why'd you get into it? <laughs> it's a good question. Opportunity, I think on one hand, on another hand, uh, income opportunity, right? So there's in sales, you have an opportunity to make good money, right? Yeah. And, and then just, I've never been one to let my fear stop me, mm-hmm. right? So even when I'm nervous about something, I almost want to dive into it just to prove that I can succeed at it. And it also helps me get better at my weaknesses, which I'm also big on, right? So my next role I took after the banking gig, I, I, w- I took on a consulting role where I spent hours a day meeting with business owners, helping them improve their businesses. I expected to be an expert on everything from like marketing to HR to sales to finance to everything, anything they might need to help with. But I also was presenting multiple times per month, two hour presentations in front of a room full of people. And I was terrified to do that. One of the reasons I did that is to get better at presenting. Yep. Two hours a pop. And and how often were you doing that? A couple times a month at that time. And uh, it's funny what I learned over time is that two hour presentations are easier than five minute presentations. Because with two hours, you know you're going to mess up. You know you're not going to be perfect. Almost the pressure goes off. You just get comfortable in the moment. 
with a five minute presentation, I'm so worried about being perfect with every little nuance. And, and that's very stressful for me. Sure. What, what are some of the things that you, that you took away early on in your, in your career? Cause it sounds like you've obviously been doing this for a really long time and communication is kind of your thing. Is there any point that you kind of look back to when you were maybe early twenties, just getting started that you were like, man, that was embarrassing. But I also learned this, this really big lesson that I've taken into the rest of my career. Yeah, no doubt. You know, one, one that comes to mind is around one of my early leadership experiences, right? So probably mid twenties. Um, now I'm in kind of the market research and analytics world, working with fortune 500 clients. And I, I just became a leader of a team of analysts who, uh, you know, helped put together the report on, uh, for the fortune 500 company, right? I won't get into too many specifics about kind of what the report was about, but I was pretty good at the role myself and managing the client, but I didn't know how to teach others to do it. And as a leader, I always thought I had to have the answer, right? I had to be on top of things. I also have never been happy with the answer. That's going to be hard to do, right? So I would say, we need to get this done. They'd be like, oh, it's going to be hard, Greg. Like my team would say that. And I'm like, I think we need to get it done anyway, right? And I was kind of overbearing that way. But what I wasn't doing was listening to my team who'd been on these accounts for years, who knew the client, who knew the nuances. Um, I wasn't taking time to get to know them personally or to get to know the dynamics of what they know about the account. And I remember my annual review, my first review as a manager of anybody, and the feedback came back that I was condescending. And that just, it kind of broke my heart, right? It was because I think about myself as somebody who loves people, who's always trying to be supportive and build people up and build relationships. And to hear that just crushed me. And it wasn't that I'm condescending at my core, obviously, it was out of fear because I wanted to have all the answers because I wanted to make sure we were driving results. Um, and I thought I could just move the whole boat that direction without you know, stopping to understand the folks who made up my team and help move that, help doing the movement of that boat, if you will. Yeah. What are, what are some things that you kind of maybe worked on from there that allowed you to communicate the humility that you felt that was already existing? Yeah, hundred percent. I'd say four big things and I kind of built them into my overall, you know, framework today. I think back then I wasn't thinking framework, right. But now as I've thought about what's worked and what hasn't, I've kind of built them into a framework. So the framework is the save methodology. So four pieces of that, right? So S is all about self-awareness, right? It's about understanding myself. So as I mentioned, right, fear was driving me. I had to learn that and understand that and understand how that was giving me blinders to the advice of what my team was telling me and understand my predisposition to run to, there's got to be solutions oriented. I don't want to hear about the problem. And I had to change the way I was interacting with folks. Yeah. The second part, A, is about asking. And it's about understanding all those things I'm trying to understand about myself and the other person. Right? How do they process information? Are they visual, audio, or audible, or you know, how, how do they process information? What is their personality like? What are their objectives? What are their biases? All those kinds of things. And then understand where there's gaps between the two. Right. So I want to drive to a solution. They want to talk about the challenge. How can we meet in the middle there and understand the challenge without getting too bogged down in it and move towards a solution? Right. So there's I use that a lot now in kind of sales and relationship building kind of mapping out ahead of time, here's who I am, here's who they are. I'm all about storytelling and people. They're all about data and they don't want to talk very much, right? So I need to change my approach to meet who they are. So those are the first two. The other two are vulnerability and empathy, right? The V and the E. And I think about those as two sides of the same coin. So vulnerability is, it's not like, you know, being weak and, oh, I'm so sorry, or I'm so scared, but it's just about being honest about who you are. Again, I go back to the example of, you know, I was afraid, right? Up front. So being honest, like, hey, team, I made a mistake, right? I approached this the wrong way. I'm sorry about that. I was nervous about being a new leader. I'm ready to take a new approach. Help me find that new approach, 
right? Being vulnerable about what's really going on in my head and, and the feelings behind what's going on. And then the E, like I said, empathy, getting to know them personally, um, spending time with them and understanding the challenges in the personal lives and also kind of their aspirations from a professional perspective. I remember one woman on the team, I learned that her dad was having a major surgery coming up and, and it was, you know, a potentially life threatening surgery. She had a ton of pressure and stress because of that. Right. So I was able to learn that bond with her about that and then kind of ask her about that over time. So they could build that relationship from a personal level, just a little example there, obviously, but and for building the personal relationship, then they're willing to do anything for you from a team perspective. We're willing to knock down walls for you once you've developed that kind of relationship. Yeah, once you've shown that you actually care, you're not just like everybody else, right? So, and if there was another, there's another V in save, I, I would throw in validation too and how mm-hmm. important it is to, to validate other people's emotions or feelings, even if you don't agree with them, just to let them know that you hear them, you see them, that you understand where they, they might be coming from, or you understand how someone in their position could, could feel that way or see the, the, uh, the world from, from their perspective. Like you, you can at least understand, I find, I find that validation goes a long way in, in every relationship, whether it's a personal relationship with a spouse or something, or a business relationship or a colleague or an employee or a, you know, direct report or someone that you report to, you know, like just validating that validating that you validating how they feel because people just want to be heard. You know, that's something that we all want. Every it's one of our basic human needs is just to be seen, heard, loved. You know what I mean? So if you can if you can just start the conversation off just by validating that they are okay and feeling that way and that 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 might be um, that they that you can understand where they're where they're coming from on that. I've I found to be a pretty big needle mover in a lot of conversations, especially conversations that you don't want to have or difficult conversations, difficult people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this too, Greg, because I remember somebody told me one time that your your success in life is directly related to the amount of difficult conversations that you're willing to have. And I'm curious to hear what your perspective is on that. You're already smiling and laughing a little bit uh, before before I'm done asking the question, but um, I found it, I found it to be true in a a multitude of ways and not even just in success, but almost in happiness and fulfillment because, you know, even implementing that in my, in my marriage has been super helpful for, for my wife and I just to, to, to constantly be in that type of communication. But anyway, I've, I've drawn on the question long enough. What, what are your thoughts on that? Couldn't agree more. I have a couple of thoughts that I think one is that the really important stuff is the stuff that's really hard to talk about because it's so important, right? It means so much to the parties at hand. And those are the difficult conversations that you have to have where you have disagreement around things. I know in my marriage where I've put off those difficult conversations, they always come back to bite me and you always have to deal with them eventually. They never go away. You just push them down the path a little bit. And the same thing in business, right? If there's something wrong with a client relationship and I know it's going to be a really difficult conversation, we're going to have to deal with it. And I put it off, it's always worse for putting it off. Yeah. You have to have that conversation. And I find the best way to do that is kind of being honest and upfront. You know, I like to take a balance of certainly not, not blaming anybody. Right. If I'm the leader, I always want to take responsibility, but I also want to be honest, a little bit vulnerable, right. I'm not, not against saying sorry and apologizing. I know a lot of people are, um, I, I don't think there's a problem with it. You don't go overboard, but you say, Hey, you know, I regret this happened. I do apologize on our behalf. You know, here are the steps I think we need to take to try to make this right and make this better from a client perspective. Um, From a personal perspective, uh, you know, it's huge to take the time to listen to their perspective and understand what's going on in their world. I think every time I've had a really difficult conversation with my wife, I've learned something that I didn't realize was going on in her world or in her mind or her emotions that was driving her actions. 
that I didn't even consider, right? I thought it was all about me and, you know, what I want to do, she didn't want me to do it or whatever, but I always learned there's something else going on there. I'll give you a really quick example. Back a little bit earlier in my career, right? I had a role, it was a great role. I really loved it, but I had to spend a ton of hours in the office. You know, I was working just a crazy amount of time in the office, late nights, long weekends, all that kind of stuff. And my wife would get really frustrated with that. Um, understandably so, but I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm supporting the family. I'm trying to move up in my professional career. Why don't you understand that? And eventually what I learned was that she was really struggling at home with the kids. Right. So we have five kids at this time. We had four, we had just all four of my kids are adopted a little bit of quick background there. Right. So we had two and we brought two home shortly before this conversation. So we had dropped two more kids in our lives and she was really struggling, um, taking care of those kids by herself at home. And she needed more from me that I wasn't giving her. And somehow it seems silly now that I'd say I didn't realize it, but at the time I didn't realize it, right? And so we had that difficult conversation, which was very emotional and hard. And that conversation eventually led to me, you know, taking a different path in my career um, and, and going to work for another organization. Uh, but it put us in a much better place within our marriage and our family. Yeah, I mean, it's such a perfect example, man. And the perfect example of a conversation that most of the times would, most of the time would go unhad and then would end up in more turmoil and possibly separation and divorce and a lot of other things that come with that later on. And uh, and so I'm I'm happy that you were kind of you kind of gave us a couple of different examples professionally and personally from um, the you know the, the conversation about having difficult conversations. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Uh, so I, I want to move the conversation a little bit further along the way, Greg, to talk a little bit more on the networking and relationship building side of communication, because obviously this is the Build Your Network podcast, and that's what we talk about a lot here. So first question, and I know that you know it's coming because it's the one I ask every every guest that comes on the show. Uh, who you know or what you know, Greg, which of the two is more important? Who you know, for sure. Um, every opportunity I've ever gotten has come from building relationships with folks, right? And 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 leveraging that in a way that benefits us both and, and leads to good outcomes. Um, relationships, I think, are everything. It doesn't matter how much, I mean, it obviously matters how much you know, but if without who you know, you don't get anywhere, regardless of how much you know. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of the thing for me, man, is like, it, it, it's obvious that both of those things are important. And a lot of people on the show will try to try to get away with saying both, because most of the time it is. And, and usually, usually what I think the real answer is, is that it depends on what phase you're in in life. Because sometimes you need to be focusing on the what and uh, sometimes you would be focusing on the who. I just happen to think that probably 90% of the time you should be focusing on the who and 10% on the what. Um, because I think that the who is always just going to exponentially raise the what. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right people, those people are going to help your knowledge and your craft more than any book or course or anything else might be able to help your craft in, 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 my, in my personal opinion. And, and in my experience too, you know, like I've learned a lot just by getting around people and have gotten a lot better at my craft by getting around people who are really good at what I'm trying to get good at. That's, I love the way that you put that because the who almost magnifies or multiplies the what, right? You get the what through the who. That's a silly way to be talking about it, I guess. But even as I'm thinking about the example on my podcast today, right? You know, you helped me build that. You were a tremendous mentor throughout the whole process. Without you, I had no idea how to build a podcast or how to do it successfully. So you who gave me the what I needed to build a successful podcast. Um, and, and had we not built that relationship, I wouldn't have that today for sure. Yeah, right. And that's, that's the kind of the, the point that I always like to, to bring to the table is because I don't find that it's necessarily true the other way around. You know, unless you're so good at what you do that opportunity just comes knocking. You know what I mean? Like it, in the exaggerated examples of people like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, it wasn't who he knew that made him, you know, build Facebook. It was the what he knew uh, that, that eventually allowed him to, to succeed. And that what has put, in, put him in front of anybody in the world that he wants to talk to. The dude can have a conversation with anybody he wants, probably, I would be willing to bet. Yeah. But I don't find that that's as duplicatable, meaning like if I'm sitting here wondering how to be successful in a more guaranteed way in life, I wouldn't recommend just like trying to be the next unicorn Facebook and hope that that's going to be the thing that puts you in front of rooms of people that can give you opportunities to succeed in life. I think that it's much more duplicatable and repeatable to go be around those people and get in those rooms on purpose, no matter how you do it, whether you pay to get in the rooms or whether you work for free to get in the rooms or whether you know somebody can get you in, like however you can like get into those rooms and get to know those people. In, in my opinion, that's a much more duplicatable way of going about it because you're going to be able to learn from all those people and then implement some of those things and avoid a lot of the mistakes that they've made along the way which will allow you to start shaving years off of your learning curve. That's the big thing to me, man, is like understanding that time is the ultimate asset, not money. And relationships and connections to people help shorten the amount of time that it takes to get good at something or to get an opportunity that someone else might have had to spend 25 years working toward that you can get in five just because you happen to know the right people, you know? Yeah. And that was going to be the last point I was going to make is that it's the time saving that's key. I mean, I could have probably figured out how to put together a podcast, but it would have taken me a long time, a ton of trial and error. I would have had to figure out so many different nuances that you've already tackled and figured out. And you were able to say, hey, do it this way, not this way. 
and you know, I save a year <laughs> versus trying to figure that out that on my own. Right. Um, how much is a year of your time worth? You know what I mean? Sure. That's always uh, always the, the question. The the other point I make is it's a lot more fulfilling when you go the who route because you build relationships and you win and you lose together and you learn together and, and that's really powerful. I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one, man. That that's that's been like so. Uh, kind of a history here. When I started asking that question, it was one of the first questions that I wrote out and I knew I wanted to ask people. But I honestly thought everybody was going to say who. And then we would be like, yeah, I agree. Let's talk about networking now. You know what I mean? But what ended up happening, it was it used to be the first question that I would ask them. What ended up happening is I started getting people saying what? And it like stunned me. I was like, oh, really? Like what? why? Why do you think it's what? Because I always just heard growing up, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I just always heard that phrase. So I figured most everybody would agree with that. And then we'd have a great conversation around around building relationships and stuff. But I, I think so through the show, I've talked to a lot of different people. And some people have come close to changing my mind to to uh, to being the what you know rather than the who you know. But at the end of the day, it comes down to exactly what you just said, Greg. And that's why to me, the who you know always wins out at the in the end is that you're going to be a lot happier and more fulfilled in my opinion if you go the who you know route because connection to people is one of is again one of our basic human needs we create that connection to other human beings and to other people and if you can learn to to connect and communicate with and grow with other human beings i think that that's a huge piece of the of the puzzle that brings more fulfillment and more happiness into the equation rather than just success or some other metric that may not matter as much but yeah, so totally, totally on the same page with you there, bro. Real quick, just that's a great example of vulnerability right there. You shared a couple of things, right? You shared some emotion around it for sure, but you also shared that you were wrong up front. You had, you know, you were thinking about it completely in the wrong way. And other podcast hosts might want to say, hey, you know, I've always been on top of this. I've always known the right answer. That's why you need to come to me for advice. And that's not true for anybody. Nobody's always right. We're all wrong more than we're right, I think. So um, yeah. I, I love, love the vulnerability there. Yeah. And, and, you know, in my experience, those are the things that make you more relatable and make people actually want to listen to what you have to say. You know, like if you're like p- p- the, the bottom line is people are really smart and people are really intuitive and they can sniff out when you're trying to be somebody that you're not, or when you're trying to be a version of yourself that just isn't you, like people can sniff that out. And if they can't sniff it out, it probably means that you're some sort of like a, you know, sociopath, which is also <laughs> not a good path to go down. Uh, but, but most of the time people can tell if you're, if you're living in a version of yourself, that's incongruent to, to who you, to who you are and what you actually know to be true. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see any other way to, to doing this thing than to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to be genuine, even though all of those words are buzzwords that a lot of people yeah. use context these days. Um, I think that it's still really valuable and, and important to, to have those things. So, um, uh, so, so Greg, I want to talk to you a little bit about network relationship building now before we, before we jump off here um, and give me, give me one or two, you know, tactical, practical things that you do uh, from a networking standpoint, when you're meeting somebody that you, you know, want to further a relationship with, like, how do you start the conversation and how do you follow up on the conversation? Yeah, I think even before you start the conversation, like if it's somebody you're targeting that you know that you want to build a relationship with, you know, before you're standing in front of them, I think you do your best to prepare and learn about them, right? You want to understand what they're all about. What are their objectives? What are they trying to accomplish? What's most important to them? And you just want to have that as your grounding when you go into the conversation. Also, as much as you can tell about the personality, right? Uh, and, And are they a numbers person or a stories person? You know, who do you know that knows them that you can talk to about the personality and how they like to receive information and kind of what they're all about, right? So you want to do as much research as you can ahead of time. You know, as far as 
the introduction goes. I think it really depends on the situation, right? Best way to get introduced, obviously, a referral, right? If you know somebody who knows them, who can connect you, ton of value in that, right? That's, that's the best way to get connected to anybody for sure. But, you know, if you just happen to be at a networking event or something and, and you see them there, you know, I like the approach of walking up and introducing myself. Hey, I'm Greg, you know, and, and if I know about something they did, right, maybe, I, you know, I love that thing that you did here, or I love what you're doing with your company, or that was really surprising what you guys did last week with the business, right? I'd love to learn more about what you were thinking, right? There's something out there that lets them know that you're aware of kind of who they are, that you've done your research, right? And that there's some value in having that conversation with you. And then just have a natural conversation, you know, just be a human being, be yourself, let them be themselves. Um, and don't try to be something that you're not. The other thing I would say is it's, it's okay if it doesn't work out, right? You have to know there's a, a million other people you could meet with who can lead to your success. And that individual that you're talking to right now might not be that right person. And if you put all the pressure on, hey, I'm going to succeed if I, if I win this person over, I'm going to fail if I don't, you're increasing the odds dramatically that you're going to fail because you're so nervous about it and so stiff about it. And then as far as how do you build a relationship and follow up, right? I think it's about looking where you can look into where you can add value. How can you help them um, with whatever it is they're trying to accomplish? What can you share with them that might be valuable for them? So like I do a lot of work around research and things like that. So I might follow up with, hey, here's some research that I saw that I thought you might find really interesting based on the conversation that we had. And, and that generally starts just an interesting conversation. You know, and you build that relationship over time. You can't just make an ask immediately. You got to build a relationship and add value first. Yeah, just that one little bite there is is worth the whole conversation, bro. Because I, I love what you said about the um, like putting all your eggs in one basket in those conversations. I see people do this all the time, especially in in any sort of sales environment. If if you're trying to make sales, uh, you you often often and, and and it's a mistake that uh, even experienced people will will fall into. It's a trap that that's easy to fall into where you've done the math and you know that this one person could change everything in your business. And if you can get this one sale, it's going to matter for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, and then you build it up. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like this giant, you know, just wind out of your sales moment where mm-hmm. you feel like you can't do anything. And like, I always tell people, I always tell people your goal in rejection is to just have it hurt. Not as bad. Because, you know, the people that tell you that you got to learn to love rejection, I, I just think that's BS. I, I, just don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anybody who likes to be rejected. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean enjoy? How do you enjoy like getting told no? I would rather everybody tell me yes. That would be a way better situation. I would make way more money and I would have, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, like love the no. Like, I, I don't understand how you could ever love being told no. And I, and I get it from a personal, like it's a challenge and I, and I get all that and I'm competitive uh, as hell in my nature. And so when people tell me no, it does drive me to do better. But at the end of the day, I would rather them say yes, because I make money and then I can move on to the next person and make money when they say yes. You know what I mean? So my, my whole thing has always been like, make rejection hurt less. You know, it's, it's always going to hurt a little bit, but if you put that much stock into what one person has the ability to change in your business and that doesn't go the way that you wanted it to go, that's a lot of pain from a single rejection. And then, you know, most of the time it's just, it's most of the time it's not going to happen. Just to be honest, you know, like it's, it's probably not going to happen. The odds of it closing are probably, are probably uh, lower than, or, or are probably lower than the odds of it not closing. You know what I mean? So you, you don't give up with not enough data. Too many people give up with they when they haven't even had enough data. They they have those three big people that they're gonna you know sell, and then none of them sell, and then they're like, okay, well, I guess I failed, you know. And yeah. it's like talk to three hundred people, 
and then let me know what happens next. You know what I mean? Like you're you're basing your entire you're basing your entire model on the success or failure of a couple calls. Like that's just not how life works, man. Like you got to put a lot more reps in. You got to get a lot more data before you see what the actual numbers are going to be. Yeah, I, I love the saying, and I try to live by it when I'm in the right mindset because uh, none of us are perfect, right? But there's no performance. There's only practice. Like every conversation you have is just practice to get better for the next conversation. There's no one conversation. That's everything. And then if you fail, you've lost, Right. you know, I mean, there's something, there's a path for you to succeed. You just can't see it yet. You have to talk to this person to see if you're on the right path. Oh, wrong path. Let me move over here and try this. Oh, wrong path. Let me try this. And you got to make all those changes to find that right path. And you can't get there without the nose. And the chances of you guessing correctly without those nose is very, very low. Exactly. I'm sure he got lots of those too, though. Very low odds, you know, like you, you never want to play, you never want to play the lucky spot. You know, you, you never want to be in a position where you have to get lucky in order to succeed, you know, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you're talking about is if you only take a couple at bats, you got to get real lucky that it's the perfect pitch and you're swinging exactly right. And the wind is really great and it's good weather. You know what I mean? You got to get, you got to get so lucky. Whereas if you have a thousand at bats, you're probably a lot more likely to hit a home run out of that instead of three. You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. it's you're getting better every single time. You know how to hit the ball a little bit better. You know how to, you know, uh, you know, you know when to start your swing a little bit better. You know your stance a little bit better. Like everything gets better on every single on every single swing that you take. And so you just got to get more at bats and, and and continue to get better at it. So and then understand that the only time you lose is if you quit. You know what I mean? That that's when that's when failure is. You don't you don't fail because you failed on a sales call or you didn't convert a, a prospect into a customer. You didn't fail on on your career because that didn't happen. The only time that you actually have failed is when you quit giving it a shot because now you don't have another chance to get better. You don't have another like you've made it the final time. And if the final time is a failure, then yeah, technically you failed and it didn't work out. But the only time that solidifies it and locks it in is if you is if you quit. You know what I mean? It's just like it's just like the stock market or like cryptocurrency or other investments that are long that are supposed to be long term investments that people treat as short term investments and mm-hmm. take their money out. You know, it's like oh, well, my you know, COVID hit my account depreciated by you know twenty four percent in in a month, and so I lost twenty four percent. It's like no, you didn't. The only way that you lost twenty four percent is if you sold. Uh-huh. Like yeah. you take your money out. You know what I mean? Because that means you lost. Like you locked in the loss. You know, but if, as we all know, if you would have just left your money in the accounts, the stock market's crazy booming right now and has been hitting record highs for the past like three months in a row. So the only people that actually lost during COVID were the people that sold. And it's the same thing in business. The the only time that you lock in your failure is when you quit. Other than that, it's just another chance to learn something new and get better and continue to improve. So, yeah, I'd say this, that every entrepreneur I've worked with who's had great success has stood at that precipice where they were sure they were about to fail. You know, the money was running out. They, they had no options for a sale. They, you know, they couldn't get any more investment and they had to pivot. And if they didn't pivot, they were done for, but they did pivot. And that was the hundredth time they had to pivot. And that one pivot led to their great success that they have today. They all have a story like that. So true. It's like, Hey, I had this idea and now I'm a millionaire and it never happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's been an awesome conversation, Greg. I appreciate you come, for coming on the show. Let's go to move into the last segment here. So I'm like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Mm-hmm. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? It's a great question. I think like being a pilot would be awesome, especially like a fighter pilot. I'd probably be terrified to do it, but it'd be really, really cool. 
If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who'd it be? Might be cliche, but I'm, I'm going to say Jesus, you know, get to sit with him and chat with him. There's obviously a ton to learn. And I mean, I think that that's what I want to sit with. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? All of the above. You know, I read a ton of books. I listen to podcasts. It more depends on what I'm doing at the time. And, and that drives the content that I leverage. Uh, but I like consuming it all different ways. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So get up around six, um, start the coffee, take care of the dogs, etc. I'm usually sitting on my desk by like, you know, 6.15. I like to get a really early start. I typically don't have any meetings till, you know, nine. So I got lots of time to get things done, which is great. But before I turn on my computer, I, I go through and I rewrite my kind of list of things that I need to get done every single day. And these are things that may be even a week out, right? But it's reminding me every day that I need to get those things done and, and thinking about where to schedule them. And then I try to time block and say, I'm going to put this here and put that there. And then I write out the three hour by hour, the next three days in my notebook and like schedule stuff right there. So just the process of doing that gets me in the mindset of these are the three priorities I got to get done for today. There's this other thing that's really important three days from now that I got to start thinking about this afternoon, you know, keeps all that in mind. What is your go-to pump-up song? You know, I had a tiger. Yeah, man. goes back to middle school football and get me fired up for football games. What is something that you are just not very good at? Oh, lots of things I'm not good at. Details, right? I'm not good at focusing on minute details of things and just being on top. And I'm not terribly organized. It's a big challenge. And as we get everything wrapped up here, bro, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Yeah, well, there's the Art of Communication podcast, right? So you can check that out, all your major podcasts podcasting sites. There is gregjrice.com, which is my primary website. They can also check out a free six-week e-course on body language at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Perfect. So head on over to gregjrice.com to check out everything that Greg's got going on. And if you are a podcast listener, which you are because you're listening to this right now, and if you're a fan of communication, which you are because you're listening to Build Your Network podcast, then definitely go search Art of Communication in whatever podcast player you're listening to right now and subscribe to Greg's show. Leave him a quick rating review. Tell him what's up. Tell him you heard about him here on the show. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time, brother. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Yeah, thanks, Travis. I really enjoyed it. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.